This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hi, everybody. I have the coolest person. Well, everybody's very cool who's on the podcast, but I have an amazing person that, at least in, the, in this context, I've actually known her the longest. I have Wendy Pearsall with me today. So <laughs> And she has been with me. Well, we've known each other for over 10 years now. I would say probably like 12, 13 years. And At least. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because you're, when we were both, when we first met each other, we were in different, I guess, a different employment in different career trajectories. And that's part of like the podcast here. We've changed our trajectories uh, she met me in a tech environment, a tech and marketing environment, and she was in her own environment. She'll share her story. And now I'm in a completely different space. So Wendy and I have kept in touch and I've been very watching her flourish and do amazing things in the last couple of years. And I just felt that that was, this is amazing to have her here and talk to her and get her to share her story with us. So hi. Hey, this is so awesome. Yes. You're my, one of my true OG friends. Yes. I think we, it was either 2006 or 2007 that we yeah. met and you're right. We were both in totally different places. Yeah, I know. Doing totally different things. Yeah. So share a little bit about that. I mean, so tell me where, tell everybody where you are, what, how we met and we'll take from there. I'm trying to remember if we met through Dig, which isn't even a thing anymore, or through pro blogger Darren Rouse's blog. It, it was one of the two, but it was right around that time. Maybe it was even through StumbleUpon, like all yeah. these things that... <laughs> so so I want to I kind of, uh, you know, some of our readers are, are not in the tech world at all. And I think, yeah. you know, we really, we really, and I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's weird because I'm like in such a pivot. So what Dig and StumbleUpon and pro blogger these are the marketer blogger communities, if you will. Uh, dig.com, if you're familiar with Reddit these days, you're probably familiar with how Dig was. Reddit is now the new Dig, if you will. Um, yep. It's a, it's, it was, Reddit is the front page of the internet these days. That's what they advertise themselves as. But Dig was in 2006, 2007, was pretty much the, the Reddit of the internet. And it, when you were on the homepage of Dig, you got some great, visibility and it was really really helpful um, like server crash server crash kind of traffic yeah server crash yeah. kind of yeah. traffic and yeah yeah and stumble upon was sort of the same thing anyone yeah. who's familiar with that you hit a button and it brought you to a website so it was all about discovery of new content and that yeah. is how wendy and i discovered each other yeah that's right I remember the first time I met you in person, I'm pretty sure it was 2009 South by Southwest and you were working for Mashable at the time. Yeah. And I was pregnant with my yes, you were. kid and I was massive and that was fun, <laughs> fun times. Yeah. I'm looking at pictures of myself and I'm like, what? Yeah. Some, some, some of the photographers did a great job though and didn't make it so obvious, but I do have, a, I do remember this one picture where we were standing and we were looking up and... It was, it was very well hidden, but I was, I mean, I gave birth, I think six weeks. No, it was two months later. Yeah. You were pretty far along. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so back then I was, I was, well, I started one blog on, for parents working at home and I did a blog post about kids activities because it was the beginning of the summer and I was working from home and I'm like, what am I going to do with my kids at home? And I'm trying to start this business. So I pulled together all these kids activities. I thought, yeah, well, maybe my blog readers would be interested. And it goes crazy. Like who would have thought that kids activities would have just gone so nuts on the internet, got on the front page of dig. I'm pretty sure my server did crash. It was nuts. So I went, huh, maybe I'll do some more things about kids activities. So I started a another blog about kids activities you know long story short that just went also crazy and i ditched the first blog and i've been really in in many ways shapes and forms been in the kids activities niche ever since it's, it's interesting because it really does you would think well you're, you'll talk about it but you you really evolved to 
kids uh, activities that aren't necessarily kid activities, but they are kid activities. So yeah, I yeah. share that. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of it just needs to be a lot of my success it can be attributed to one following what I really enjoy for two following what I as a if I could put myself as a demographic what I needed as a mom slash business owner and listening to people just figuring you know following what works which I know sounds super simplistic but I think is is very powerful in terms of figuring out career trajectories yeah and it's it's great because you really what you do you're really a lot of people they go to work and they're really not following their passion but you really are and you know going in in within the realm of this podcast especially and just the whole methodology and the mantra of what we're what i'm trying to do here is that you're really encompassing uh, and embracing the self-care in in such a in a way that's financially lucrative for yourself yeah, actually, to this day, we still only work four days a week. I will not work Fridays, period. That is awesome. <laughs> we don't start till 9.45 a.m. so that I can walk every day, you know, exercise, meditate, do my journaling every morning. So I've got this whole self-care routine, and that comes before anything that I do with business. That's awesome. And, yeah, it's like the miracle morning, if you're familiar with how mm-hmm. the whole story I don't do it in the morning sometimes. I mean, I do the workout in the morning and I totally get where you're coming from. But I, I definitely like put my journaling, which is kind of random uh, to some degree. I, I journal, but not as much as probably you do. And uh, I, 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 I spread it throughout the day. I know the miracle morning is really important for so many, so many people, but it's also about making sure you make time for it throughout the day as much as you can. So yeah. Yeah, I'm not even familiar with this miracle morning thing that you're talking about. I just, which is so funny. I just, I think it was around 2015. I just, or maybe it was 2016, 2017. I don't even know when it was. I just started taking my being way more more proactive about my mental health. Like not, not waiting for me to become depressed or anxious and, and seeking help, but saying, you know what? I need to take care of myself and my brain every single day. And it certainly doesn't mean that they're not challenges or crises. I, 2019 is the perfect example of that in which my mom passed away. My dad moved out of state. I landed in the hospital. Two of my kids had life-threatening crises and I started questioning everything. And part of me was really pissed. I was like, you know, I do all this stuff to try to be zen and serene and not create drama or challenges in my life and it doesn't really prevent all of it it just it certainly i will say this made it so that 2019 i did not crash and burn like i did in 2013 when a lot less happened to me and i totally crashed and burned yeah so just going back to the miracle morning it's it's a book by an author young dude in his 40s probably his name is hal elrod and he Basically, the concept of the Miracle Morning is that you wake up, you exercise, you journal, you meditate, you read, and I don't even remember what those other elements are, but I, 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 follow, I, I follow that to some degree. I do follow that. It just When I say to some degree, it's that I, I, I do spread it in, uh, throughout the day. Uh, a lot of the people, there are communities online that cater to this Miracle Morning mindset. And they're all about rising early and just getting it done before the rest of the world catches up with you. And I think that's fine, but I also think that for some people's sanity and some people's sleep, you can't necessarily do that. So spread it out and just make sure you do focus on yourself because yeah, it helps so much. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it truly is the distinction between crashing and burning and being able to get through life altering crises, Yeah. at least for me. So. Tell me a little bit about the, you know, your rise above the ashes story. What, tell me a little bit about 2013 and where you were professionally, because I know your story kind of stems from that professional side. Yeah. So kids at my, my website, woojunior.com was, it was in its heyday. I, I, I peaked out at 5 million page views a month. At, at some point, I really didn't even need to lift a finger in order to make money, <laughs> which sounds really 
weird to say that out loud because I realize you know, now in retrospect what a gift that has been. But the website just kept getting traffic and, and kept growing. And at the beginning of 2013, well, and then my husband, he wanted to start a business. So 2012, let's kind of set the stage. He decides he wants to quit his job and start a marina, a boat repair business. So I'm like, all right, I'll be sole breadwinner. I can handle this. You did this for me, honey. I'll do this for you. And at the beginning of 2013, within two weeks of each other, my ad network decided to shift gears and shift audiences. So they dropped me. And so Google made it. Your, your ad network, just just to introduce the readers. So yeah, yeah. So your your means of getting paid for your website. Exactly. Well, so every you know of those five million page views, every one of those page views had ads on it, and those ad displays brought me my revenue. Right. And an ad network will basically sell ads for you and keep a, a cut of the profits. Since this was still also kind of in the midst of the recession, we had nowhere near come out of it. Ad revenue, like finding a new ad network at that time was really challenging. More ad networks had gone out of business than had started up new. So I was really nervous about finding a new ad network. Right. And just having people to work who desire, companies that desire to work with the ad network was also like, they were probably yeah. also struggling because, yeah. Absolutely. Then... Two weeks, two weeks after that, Google made an interface change and I lost like 30% of my traffic overnight. It was not an algorithm change, it was an interface change. And I'll never forget that day and every time I talk about it, I tear up a little. I, I got into my bed and I curled up into a fetal position and I just started bawling. Like it was the mo one of the most terrifying moments of my life. So I was like, oh my God, we've got a house, I've got three kids, I've got a husband and his business, and this was all on my shoulders, and my shoulders have crumbled. You know, what the F am I gonna do? Right, and, and, and just to you know, also go, go into the non-technical side, when, when, when an algorithm change happens, people can typically recover from it. They can typically try to figure out how to work within the algorithm so that they can be visible again. And when Google makes a change, like an interface change, there's nothing you can do, especially yeah. with the way, you know, this specific change, it just, there's, there is no way. Yeah, exactly. They just changed the way that basically their image results appeared for users and they used to show your website and, and they stopped showing the websites in the background. So it was, it was terrifying. And, and I'll be honest for the next year, year and a half, I just sat around feeling sorry for myself. It just kind of almost, I mean, I don't want to diminish PTSD, but I, I think it was PTSD-esque in terms of how I dealt with it because I, I really, I was not, I did not really function for a while. I didn't really know how to recover from that. And, and I, and I definitely, felt a victim to the big corporate Google. It took me a long time, still not entirely there, of, of wanting to blame them for my misfortune. And how, how do I get out of that? But at the, at the end of 2013, a publisher, a book publisher, found some of my old kids' activities, which were animal mandalas that I had I hadn't even drawn them as much as I just hacked them together with some clip art. And they said, do you want to do a whole book of animal mandalas of adult coloring pages? And this was totally before the craze. And I almost talked them out of it. I'm like, you crazy. Nobody wants these things. Like you can, they can get them for free on my website. That's not even my popular content. But they convinced me to do it, which maybe there was a little bit of divine intervention, but I was like, you know, I got nothing else going on. <laughs> yep. and it, it was truly my it was my climbing out of the ashes and and road to recovery although it didn't seem like it at the time the, the for that book did okay you know i maybe made like three thousand dollars which you know is i think is okay for a book deal but not gonna support a family of five but in 26 wait 2014 they asked me to do another one, so I did another book of flower mandalas, and that one like hit at just the right time, and it was right as this adult coloring book craze was going bonkers, and 
the Huffington Post featured my book, got onto the front page of the Huffington Post. The book became a national bestseller. And I suddenly had a purpose again. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm part of this viral craze. And it was so much fun, Tamara. I cannot even tell you to like literally do, to, to draw all day and do color, adult coloring books. It's, that year was a blissful, blissful year. It was so much fun. They, the minute that that book hit the bestseller list, they call me up and they're like, you have two more book deals immediately. Can you get them done before the fall? And I'm just like, I'm booked for the next <laughs> six months drawing. Like, like who would not, especially me being artsy and craftsy. You know, this was like dream gig, absolute dream gig. Yeah, and it, I, I remember, I mean, you know, being an observer on my end, it was so cool to see this happening and say, oh, wow, I actually know that the adult coloring book author, because there weren't that many people either. So you really had the ability to penetrate the market and really seize the day and be one of those foremost, I don't know the right word, the authority, the person. We look one of the early ones. The early, early well, ones, yeah. Besides the early adopter, I mean, yeah, you, you, it, was, it was very cool. And I was just... I would say I was cavelling in the corner watching your Facebook. I hope you know what that phrase means. <laughs> you know, watching your Facebook posts and seeing your updates on that. I, you know, I still have I still have your coloring book. I, I still I still go to that sometimes for my own self self care. So. Oh, that that to me was the most gratifying part of it. I used to get emails from people who actually had true PTSD or, or true depression, and, and they would email me and say how much the, the coloring and my coloring books were helping them to get through it and get onto the other side. And I got a couple of those emails and I would receive those and just start bawling my eyes out being like, oh my God, I am so amazingly blessed to be able to do something that I enjoy so much that's actually making a difference for other people too. It was, uh, it was so much fun. Yeah, that's amazing. What a gift you have. Yeah. Thank you. But sadly, that trend kind of came and then it kind of went. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, you know what, though? It, it led me to where I am now. One of the things that I saw when the adult, when all the adult coloring books were selling out, because no, pub, no publisher, even the biggest publishers, really were not able to kind of foresee the demand and the trend that that was gonna that that was coming nobody's books were staying in print except for the print on demand coloring books through amazon's well at that time was create space is now kindle direct publishing kdp and all of our books were out of stock you know you'd see that thing where people were trying to buy the book and be like, you gotta wait six weeks, eight weeks, whatever for this book to arrive. But the print on demand books were going into the top 10, uh, top five on Amazon because they're the only ones that could stay in stock because they were print on demand. And it was really, it was really eye-opening to me to see for one, how well these were doing. I, I knew one of the girls who whose book did so well, she made $335,000 from one of her, just one of her adult coloring books. And I went, huh, maybe I should do some, just maybe I should consider self-publishing. So going back to my kids activities website that had floundered now for the last few years, I thought, well, I just wanna sell this thing. But since I've ignored it for two, three years, wherever it was at the time, it's now losing traffic every month. I at least need to build it back up so that it's gaining traffic again so that I can sell it because otherwise it's not going to be worth much. And I went into that content. I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll just take a chance. I don't think, and this is so funny how what we don't think is, could be popular versus what actually is popular. I don't think people will pay for books for content that they could get free on my website, but I'll try it, we'll see. And I, again, was so wrong. Again, like I didn't think people would buy adult coloring books. I was so wrong. Did a couple of word search books for elementary school kids and those started bringing in about $1,500 a month, which 
I mean, that was on top of my blog that was still making money. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do a few more of these books. And I started doing research. I did a drawing book for kids. That one got, ironically enough, got to number 14 on Amazon this last Christmas. Still does, still stays in the top 500. It's been selling that way since 2017. We now have 20 books, kids activity books, that we have published. We have 10 more that are coming out this year. But let me backtrack to say, when I thought I was just going to get rid of this website and start doing more books, or just I wasn't, wasn't really sure what I was going to do, when I finally got the site, website growing again, I'd refound my love for it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to sell this thing anymore. This is kind of fun. This is kind of cool. I think I'll continue to do this. And that's sort of where I am now, where we have the website that makes money from the ads. We have the books that actually the books are now 80% of my revenue, where the, the blog ads and the blog traffic is only about 20% of my revenue. But now I'm still thinking, like, what next steps? One of the things I'm thinking about is going back to doing more. You know what? I, what I really need to do is follow my joy again. And I've had this idea that's been pestering me in terms of teaching artists how to build some of the things that I have built in terms of passive income. And I have no idea what that's going to look like tomorrow. What I think I just need to kind of follow the formula I just outlined earlier is figure out what's going to make me the happiest and most joyful and, and stick it out there and, and <laughs> throw a bunch of stuff on the wall and see what sticks and go with that. Yeah. <laughs> but I now I have a team of four. I mean, I have three employees now that work on the books, that work on the website. And all that kind of runs on its own. That's amazing. So yeah, so there's been plenty of points of rising from the ashes. Yeah. I have some thoughts for you. I'll share them separately. Okay, cool. I would totally value your opinion. Can't wait to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, as an entrepreneur, it's 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 amazing to see. It's like I think I feel like it's it's funny. I'm sitting here and I'm recording this podcast and it's like you know when you're like recording and you see like the sounds, the sound bites they they get small and they, I don't know if you've ever seen the recordings on, on like anything, but you see them get small and big and I, it kind of like mimics like your, I guess your roller coaster of, of emotion, emotions and, and change and, and what you've experienced in, in the last couple of years. But I mean, oh, that's, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. How cool um, is that? Yeah. I'm not so sure <laughs> about the recording thing, but it's, it's just think, it was cool. <laughs> but I was like thinking about that. I'm like, wait a minute. She's really kind of been on this roller coaster. And, yeah. you know, you figure, you, you figure things out and you've been able to like do things very successfully. And, and I think, and I, I think I have some nice, nice ideas for you that, that'll, that'll keep you, keep you on that trajectory. So. Cool. Well, you know, yeah, I, think I think the, 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 the best, best thing that I got out of the roller coaster is that for the longest time I would kind of operate as if, well, what happens if I lose it all? Or And kind of, I mean, to distill it down to the fear of failure. You know, what happens if I pour everything into this and it totally just flops? Or what happens if some, you know, an algorithm change happens? Or, you know, now I'm publishing on Amazon. What happens if Amazon changes their algorithm and my best-selling book just tanks? And that used to just drives so much fear into my heart to the point where it could again paralyze me. And in the last year or so, especially with my mom passing away last year and all the other stuff that I was talking about, and just seeing how I was able to weather that storm so much differently than I was able to not as elegantly weather storms in the past. You know, now I, I look at like, well, what if? And I'm just like, yeah, what if? I've, I've weathered so much. I'll, I'll come out on the other side. I know it no matter what. Right. Which is a really freeing place to be because I don't really, ca I mean, I know this sounds kind of silly, but I don't really care if my big, bold ideas make it or don't make it. Yeah, I'm going to find, it's going to lead me to wherever it is that I need to be. And I, and I, that's what I think is kind of the crux of your whole podcast, Tamar, in terms of career trajectories is that wherever you are, if you go in a certain direction, even if it seems super zigzaggy, it's going to lead you in the right place. As long as you really kind of be true to your own values and your own heart and try to do the best good. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's like you're climbing a mountain and I, I've done, you know, past podcasts where I've said, you know, 
climb one mountain, well, you're just climbing another. Maybe it's a bigger mountain. It probably is. And I, you know, I want to I want to hone in on like your your attitude throughout this. I really think that you know having a healthier mindset from the beginning changes just perspective in general. Um, you know, when you were suffering, I mean, like when you were going through your the the trauma of having to potentially lose your livelihood to take care of your family. Um, I, I think you know you like nothing would have been able to make you feel better. Like you know everything. It's like any jab at you is probably a lot worse felt than if it would you know like you had mentions that happens last year. Yeah. And, I was having this conversation. Uh, somebody had posted on Twitter, I think a couple of days ago, and said something pretty extreme. And people, it was very, uh, it was very challenged. I actually want to see if I can pull it up. So, this person posted on Twitter, and she said, "Just so you know, ghosting is emotional abuse. Not returning calls is emotional abuse. Leaving people on read is emotion or read is emotional abuse. If you do this, you are an abuser." Uh, and you know. Of course, it was it was a topic of tremendous discussion, and you know, obviously, when you think about that, you're like, that's a little extreme of a mindset. But I think, in our worst, I think we could see that. At least for me, I actually I felt that that was being ignored was probably the worst form of emotional abuse, especially when I knew it was potentially done maliciously and in a bad way. Of course, I don't see that anymore, but I can see how I had seen that before. So you really take things a lot more to heart when you're in a more fragile emotional mindset. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm not I'm sure not that sure I agree with that, that assessment. assessment. I mean, I, I suppose that it, it could be, be that, that, but it, it could, could also be really better boundaries in your yeah. life, you know? So like for me, yeah. 2019 was all about putting better boundaries in place in yeah. both yeah. my yeah. personal yeah. life and my business life. It's just interesting. Yeah, no, it was, it's, it, it's an extreme take. And I completely yeah. agree with the extreme take to when I, I completely would have agreed with that extreme take when I was in my most in my worst. But now I yeah, feel yeah. Like, and it also depends. I mean, I don't think it's, you know, I, I actually know that there are people like, for example, I, I, I had messaged somebody I was trying to get into uh, my hotel room and I couldn't get into my own hotel room and I was being ignored. And I remember feeling... <laughs> Oh my God, she knows, and I knew she was checking, checking her messages and reading them, and like that was that was the end of a friendship because I knew I was being ignored maliciously. I couldn't get into my own hotel room so I could get my luggage and check out from a hotel. Like I, I you know, I'm thinking about it in a very, very uh, emotionally fragile context. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Aftermath was very difficult, but yeah, in general, I, I, I don't, I, I completely agree. I think that that's a, an extreme, extreme take, but that's 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 the thing, you know, when you're in the ashes. You, you, you see the world and all of a sudden you're, you're, you can kind of, you know, pull up those types of, um, you, you can kind of skew those stories to really, uh, I guess, benefit you in a, in a, in a weird, in, in that way. Yeah, I call 2019 or 2013 my year of turtling, in which I was kind of a, like a turtle upside down and I was just flailing my arms and legs going, oh, poor me, I'm helpless. Oh, poor me, I'm helpless. Which I totally own it now. It, it's not how I felt back then. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When you're in your, when you're stronger, when you're in it, yeah. And, and all that other stuff, you're you're capable of doing so much more. And and as you continue to build upon that, it's like it's like your your mental. I'm reading Stephen Covey right now, and he talks about like you know how a bank there's an emotional bank and how you have relationships with people and. If you give to more people, you're adding to that bank. Well, I think mm -hmm. so that you can kind of mimic that with your mental bank, as you as you yeah. build toward your own personal health, mm -hmm. you become more resilient and more strong, and are able to overcome these things that would have otherwise knocked you down. In like a little wins would have probably knocked me down at that time, or a big yeah would completely knock me down. And yet now I'm. You know, you'd have to give me a, a quite a quite a few. You'd probably have to hit me with a truck, and that's 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 important. And I think I see that in you as well. I think that you're able to, in in the way you're able to to have built upon this and and you know succeeded. It's it's great. It's great, and I, I love watching your progress, and it's amazing. Aw, it's, it's it's so it's cool so to have that, that perspective from somebody that I've known as long as I've known you, because it doesn't. It's it's hard. 
you know, when you're in it, it's not always easy to see it objectively. So thank you. Yeah. Well, we, you know, if we need to be more accountable to each other in general, uh, outside of this, of course, I would definitely do it because I, I, we do, you know, we're, we're similar. You're, you're, you're definitely more entrepreneurial than I am. But at the same time, I mean, that's what, that's what your e-moms was, uh, entrepreneurial mom. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, 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 I've always been like that one who dabbled, but at the same time I had to always have something to kind of sustain me. And at this point, uh, about, about a year ago, I, the, the main gig that I was like was supporting my, my income, my family, they, they decided to restructure and that was, my position was eliminated and I had this idea of building a fragrance brand and I said, you know what, I'm going to go all in. And so that's what I'm doing. Scary, but Yay. It's, it's what I need to do because I mean, this was, this is my sense of empowerment and I'm hoping I'll get some letters from people saying, you know what, this really changed my life. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But you inspire me a lot because, you know, your story is, is it, it definitely, it, it mimic, it, it, not, I won't say it mimics mine, but it, it inspires my journey and it inspires the path that I'm taking. And, you know, knowing that like we, we all struggle, but like we all come out stronger. Yeah. yeah. My husband always said, when do you should write, write, write a book about, about, what's the word? word? It wasn't it's rising right. from the ashes or like recover, oh, recovering oh, from. from major loss or something. And I don't know. I think that there's many other people in the world who've dealt with bigger things than I have, but there are many who have dealt with less, I guess I'll say that. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that I've been working toward a memoir, memoir for a long time. I actually still, I'm staring at the tab right now on my computer. I have it open. I I haven't worked on it for a few weeks now, but yeah, I, I think you should. I think you should. I, I think that, you know, these stories are important. I think everybody has a really important story to tell. And I think your story in particular would be really motivational because look where you are now. Yeah, that is that true. Is true. But, then but then that, that gets, gets to, to what, we, what were we were talking, talking about, about, about earlier, earlier in terms of, of putting, putting your, your own, own story, story out, out there is, is, is makes you so, so much more visible. visible. Right. I, I'm all about putting really good work out there. I, I would love for my work to be global or my work to be a superstar. I, I don't, I have no interest in me being a superstar. Yeah, you know, that's that's a challenge we face, particularly as women. Uh, totally. In a position where, and I, I used to be one of those people, but I was an early adopter, so nobody was doing it. And there was, I wouldn't say, nobody was even reading it. <laughs> you know, like I... I had a vlog, I announced the birth of my son as like the first social media prince because like that's that's how early it was, you could Google, at that point you were able to Google social media prince and there was no other, there were no other results. Yeah. I don't think I could do that anymore. And it's been, it's been, you know, he's almost 11. So, yeah. but nowadays, yeah, you know, I feel that I cannot, I don't want to be front and center. I had, I had a stalker for actually two years. Uh, it's like one of my biggest fears. Oh my God, you should have seen my email. I got like 50 to 60 emails a day. He was not <gasps> local. He was in Germany and he would, it was like some random thing. I always like to respond to people. I'm not the kind of person who likes to leave people ha- hanging. I can't, I guess in the, in what, I, in the way I have been responding and in my response to that emotional abuse comment, I don't like leaving people hanging, even if they aren't like, they're just random strangers. Yeah, yeah. that's why I personalized it even more, because especially when you're invested in in response and you're not getting one, that's why I I see it that way. But anyway, so I got back to some guy had emailed me. He's like, "Uh, I have I just bought a domain name. I want to sell this website for three million dollars. It was the weirdest thing ever. And I said, (laughs) "Uh, who are you? (laughs) Like, where are you coming from? I don't have three million dollars to give you. I, I, you know, your website was just launched. Like, obviously, I was giving him sort of a facetious response. Yeah. yeah, that was such a bad idea. Let's just put it that way. Like, uh, yeah, then the next day, $5 million, to, like, it was insane. But he, he obviously wasn't just limited to selling his products. Like, it was just like, he had an infatuation with me. Yikes. And, um, fortunately, I don't use the email address that, <laughs> that, that, uh, that he emailed, but he, he had, he worked on it for so long. And I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely that, that scrutiny in general of being in a position where you have somebody sees you as, as someone who's a leader. And uh, I mean, I've taken a backseat. I guess I 
use my kids as excuses but at the same time i didn't want my kids to be exposed in that way anymore and you know even though the social media prince he was i don't know like 10 days old so he, you can't really see anything so i don't post pictures of my children on facebook my husband on the other hand he kind of does but I, I limit that stuff i engaged only in niche communities where i really feel like i can contribute value to them versus broadcasting to people with so many different opinions and mindsets so yeah i i, I hear that yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, well, you, I mean you, you see, see so many, so many people, people make, make a misstep, a misstep and, and, and that, that just entirely defines who they are online. online. Um, um, right. not, not that, that people, people don't, don't, you know, deserve, deserve to have consequences, consequences for sh crappy things that they say or do. Um, um, but one, one of the one things, thing, and, I, and this gets a little spiritual, but one of the things that I've really found that has been really key to my mental health is forgiveness, forgiving myself and forgiving others. Because um, carrying around anger just serves nobody. And really blocks your creativity, blocks your ability to do good in the world. Um, and there's, there's, I remember, what was I, I was watching some show where they, it was, there was a scene of people of from the 16 or 1700s of witches getting burned at the stake and i watched it and it it was so just creepily uncanny where i was just like i feel like i'm watching the comment thread of uh, of an article on yahoo like just set 300 years ago in a different setting and, and, and that's one of the, I mean, and I almost feel like it's sort of built into our DNA that the more visible you are, the more you could be hunted as a target, like, like on a literal level in terms of animals who are visible, like they have camouflage in order to be less seen so that they're safer from predators. And, and it's kind of a rather little, literal and extreme way to describe it, but yeah, that, that is something I'm working on because I, I know that I need to be at least a little bit more visible if I'm going to be doing some of the things that I'm talking about doing. And yet, dude, it scares. It's scary. I'm scared. It absolutely is. And it's 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 very hard to be you know a public-facing person in a company and yet not really wants to do things. I, I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had a voice for several years. I needed to kind of come out of that shell. And now that I feel comfortable to do so, I still just feel comfortable to do so in smaller contexts. That's yeah. why I yeah. post on, on Facebook. I still post, but I don't, you know, I just don't post where I know 2,000 plus people are actually following. It's actually 5,000 or something now because of the followers as well. I, I just, I don't want to be in that scrutiny. And I think the expectation of of setting an example i think there's a way to do so uh, but you just you really need to tread carefully yeah because yeah. otherwise you're just going to be travis from uber who everything he did and adam from rework all the guys who kind of squandered it all yeah and you know now their investors and all the people involved in the company are picking up the pieces Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's hard because women especially uh, they 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 feel like they have to be shy. They have to be meek. Well, it's, oh, kind, it's of kind of expected of us culturally. culturally. Anyway, um, I have so I have a question for you because you know you talked about how you went into the self-publishing space. So I want to ask you if you you know you're writing your book. If you're doing anything in the future, are you just going? Do you recommend self-publishing over working with a traditional publisher? Generally, yeah. yeah. Well, because here's the thing, a, a traditional publisher really is looking for people who have a big platform, either, you know, Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest or whatever, you know, they want people who have a social media following Instagram that will help sell the book because traditional publishers don't put hardly any money into marketing anymore. They want you to sell the book yourself. Well, if you can sell the book yourself, why would you, why would you work with a traditional publisher when you can self-publish? But there are definitely times 
like any let me just put it like i really say that definitely for the non-fiction space for the fiction space it's a totally it's completely different i know nothing about it I, I don't, I, and I don't, and I don't really think that that applies as much. It's not, it's certainly some people have self-published in the fiction space, like the Hunger Games woman, that's where she got her start, have done exceptionally well. I, I don't know how she did it. No idea. Oh, I, I know. I, before she was big, I used to see her on the mommy blogs. I entered a couple of her contests. Interesting. Oh, that's so fascinating. Actually, no, no, that was, that was a Divergent series. I, I don't want to oh, say, oh. yeah, that wasn't the That's actually, series. you're right. That, that, you're, I misspoke. I misspoke. It, was it was the Divergent the series that I was referencing, not the yeah, Hunger okay. Games. Okay. Just to make sure. Yeah. She was yeah. very yeah. big on that. Yeah. Huge. Um, but here's the thing. It's next, next to impossible to get, to get somebody like Barnes and Noble or even any smaller chains of stores to carry your books if you're self-published. Right. So if if there's a reason that you need your books in airports or in bookstores, if that's something that's important to your business model, then yeah, I would absolutely think that you would want to work with a traditional publisher. Yeah. I guess, yeah, there's pros and cons. I wonder. Yeah, yeah. If you publish, if you self-publish and it happens to be super successful, how do they even get in the libraries? Like, you know, because you, you somehow have to get it out there. And I guess I, I don't really know what the traditional publishers do in order to make sure it gets distributed to the libraries of the world. It's also uh, something to think about. I, I, I've been reading a lot of books and I've been going to the library lately. And now, and now, you know, even though you've answered my question in the way I wanted, kind of think about that because it's, it's, it's really distribution is, is challenging. Oh, it, it is. I, I, well, and unfortunately with, with my particular niche of books being kids activity books, which can almost be considered a commodity in some ways, like there's a bazillion people who do word search books, you know what I mean? That when I've talked to book distributors who will tr basically shop your books to bookstores, our, our kinds of books sell the most on a venue that is Amazon. So if they would have to rep our entire line, because that's how book distributors work, they would have to also then take a percentage of what we sell on Amazon, and we'd actually end up making up less money versus more, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, like royalties on a per book basis, I always reference what I made on a self-published adult coloring book versus my traditionally published adult coloring book. And that, that bestseller that I was telling you about is Coloring Flower Mandalas, got into the top 100 on Nielsen Bookscan, which is like, you know, the Nielsen ratings for books. Sold well, I think 25,000 copies, possibly even 30,000 copies. I don't know, I'd have to look at my royalty statement. And overall, I made like 65 cents per book. And I made, I think something like 12 or $14,000 from that specific title. Whereas my self-published book through Amazon KDP made $3.24 per book. And I could sell, I don't even know how many I sold. I could probably pull up the spreadsheet and tell you, but it's a fraction of that amount. And that book also made about twelve dollars or $13,000. Right, yeah. So you can sell a heck of a lot less self-published and make a heck of a lot more money if you have some sort of platform or ability to get people to buy it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, big proponent of self-publishing. That's a really short answer to my very long answer. It sounds like there's a lot more to it. And there is. Of course, there you is. can always elaborate on your platforms. I mean, obviously, you need like you know the website and the presence, and there's still marketing that you need to do because yeah, you're you're basically oh, your totally. publisher. It's funny because yeah, you're right. Like you're saying, the publishers, they still held, put on you to do the to do the marketing. Mm -hmm, <laughs> so mm -hmm. what's the point in, in working with traditional publishers to some degree? I that was something for me when I when I started working in the in that space. Um, that was definitely they wanted me to do it, but. It, 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 I just given birth to my baby. That was my first baby, my first book, and I wasn't able to, to be as as marketable as as I probably would have liked. So there's there, there's a struggle, and I guess I would have been it probably would have made more money because yeah, you get like a, a dollar a book if not yeah yeah if less. So anyway, um, so I guess I have a, a wrap up question for you. If you will. cool cool yeah yeah um, if you can give your earlier self 
one piece of advice, what would you tell her? Oh, gosh. gosh. Okay. okay. I, I don't, I mean, sometimes I think that that's, I don't know tomorrow. I always ask a loaded question. You know, if you listen to the podcast beforehand, you would have known I would ask this one. No pressure, but. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Um, I think I, think I would I have, have to say two things. things. And, and, and this and is, is one of the one things as we touched on earlier um, and something that I used to know and kind of gotten away from and I'm, I'm getting back to again recently is to follow your joy. Okay. Um, so do you want to elaborate a little bit? I know you had all those things. Do you want to just elaborate a little bit on, on the, the joy? Because we didn't really talk, talk about self-care even though I kind of got it because everything you're doing is pretty much self-care to some degree. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, um, in terms of follow your joy, um, well, here's the thing. It's like I the whole reason that I have a successful business is because I followed my joy. And I don't I, I don't subscribe to do what you love and the money will follow. I, and that's not what I'm saying because I think there's a really important distinction to make because following your joy also means you're going to have to do the bookkeeping also means you're going to have to do the marketing also means you're going to have to do the managing of people you know what i mean it's like there's a lot of things that are not joyful <laughs> about following your joy if you're going to have a real business come out of it but if it makes you joyful and if you can bring more joy into the world it i believe that that is an indicator of something. If it works for you, it can also work for other people. And, you know, and I, I don't know, this maybe gets a little oovy groovy, but I do feel like we are all put on this earth with certain talents and certain abilities. And if we're following our joy, that means we're playing to our own strengths. I am, I am never going to be, be the world's, world's greatest, greatest bookkeeper. I am, I am never going to be the world's greatest organizer, but my bookkeeper loves what he does. And my organizer that I've hired in the past, man, she gets off on helping me get more organized. I love being creative and helping other people tap into their own creativity. And, what in, and that's been kind of the common thread throughout everything I've done whether it be helping entrepreneurs start a business, whether it be helping kids have fun with crafts or activities, whether it be helping adults with their adult coloring books or, you know, that, that I did and, and giving them an access to feeling creative when they didn't need to be artistic. It's me following that joy and bringing that out into the world. Love it. Yeah, and, and you know, we you delegate when you don't want to deal with the, the stuff that's not so joyful. You push yeah. it off yeah. and you just do what you need to do. Yeah, well, I mean, and here's the thing. It's like I actually just got back from Australia, and I was on this business retreat, and I was talking about, you know, how do I move into this new realm of talking to artists or creatives and teaching them how to build six-figure businesses with – what they already have and this the woman who was running the treat retreat is like well wendy what do you want you know what do you want to do and i was like well what i really want to do is i want to get back to my artwork and i, I just burst into tears and i was like wow that was really weird and inappropriate and she's like no wendy not at all she's like you've gotten away from your joy and that's what you need to follow again to get back to what it is that you really should be doing and i was like duh oh my gosh duh so it was that's that's why I say it's kind of I was I was able to get away from it for a while because in the last few years I haven't done a lot of creativity stuff. I've been building business stuff and now I need to find some balance and getting back to some of the joyful stuff while still building the business. Right. Awesome. Cool. And your second item, I hope you still have it. I do ha still have it. It would be to constantly ask yourself slash myself how did i get myself into the situation and what can i do to get myself out of it because when i when we when i talked was talking about 2013 and i was turtling i wasn't able to 
pull myself out of that mind funk and that kind of place of disempowerment until I could acknowledge where did I, what did I do to get myself into this situation? Because as long as I kept saying, well, this was, it was Google's fault. It was my ad network's fault. Poor me. I can't do anything because I'm the victim, basically. There was nothing that I could do to get myself out of it. There was nothing I could do to fix the problem. There was nothing I could do to advance my career forward again, as long as I was blaming other people. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everything that happens to me or everything that I do is within my control or, you know, I hope I'm making that clarification clear. But if I'm coming from a place of, well, it's not my fault and I can't, I can't do anything about fixing it, then I'm powerless. Right. Yeah. There's, that's, you know, one of the things that's a very, very recurrent theme in all the books that I'm reading, we take the victim mindset that you're unable to do anything, then you won't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you take control over it, and chances are you're going to have to make some serious, drastic changes, but you'll be so much happier for it. But yeah. It's very difficult when you feel like you've been beaten down. And and here's the thing. It's like, and it doesn't mean that I wasn't beaten down. It doesn't mean that things didn't happen to me, but I I really had to shift my focus from what happened to me to what can I do. Right, exactly. And I love that. I think that's really important. I think it's super, super important. important. Yeah. Take leadership. Take mm-hmm. authority. Take control. Awesome. Well, thank you so incredibly much for sharing your story, for being very transparent with me, for getting vulnerable with me, for all the things. Oh, my God. my God. This has this just been a joy to talk to you, to, um, to just kind of not only take a lip trip down, down memory lane, lane but... but to talk about things that really are meaningful and matter, you know, to me, it's just so inspiring that we started in totally different places and now you're taking what you've gone through and now you're making a difference with it. And, and to reconnect with you like this, I'm just, I'm impressed. I'm inspired and thank you. Thank you for inviting me here and letting me be a part of it. Yeah. Likewise. It's, it's, been, it's it's a big push, you know. I love having these conversations because, you know, where every single person I've spoken to today, like they they're in a better, happier space, and it's just just in seeing your. I guess I don't I don't I'm trying to figure out how to say it. like these last 10, 15 years, for you at least when we started about thirteen years. Um, I mean, it's it's tremendous growth, and I, I can't. I have some visual in my mind that I can't even articulate. But it's it's great to see that you're you're doing what you love, following your joy, and taking complete ownership of all that good stuff. Nice, well yeah, said. Thank you. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time.